in Mr. Hoffman's class, I get to earn points and I get to be a Jedi. I can suspend my disbelief and I'm learning history, but at the same time, I'm traveling through the galaxy. Welcome to Science Connections. I'm your host, Eric Cross. My guest today is Fabian Hoffman. Fabian is a middle school IB educator currently teaching seventh grade multimedia design and history at Albert Einstein Academy's middle school here in San Diego, California. He also hosts the podcast Rebel Teacher Alliance, a podcast dedicated to encouraging and supporting teachers to rethink student engagement. Fabian's one of the most innovative teachers that I've ever met. His use of technology and gamification makes learning fun and accessible for our students. And I have firsthand experience with these students because we teach on the same team and have worked alongside each other during my entire career as a teacher. In this episode, we discuss gamification of the classroom, how he approaches grading from an innovator's mindset, and his newest STEM class, Immersive Design, where his students are working with former Disney Imagineers to completely renovate their classroom into an interactive Star Wars-themed learning environment. And now, please enjoy my conversation with my good friend and colleague, Fabian Hoffman. We've worked together for how many years now? How many years have you been at Einstein? Well, I started when you started, like after you were a student teaching. So 2014. Okay, so it's been a while. Yeah, and then I took two years off and I went mm -hmm. to Hawaii. I couldn't handle the pressure. And then I came back. So we've worked together for six years, but known each other for eight. What's your origin story? We're going to talk about your origin story, I told you. All right, cool. All right. So when I was a little boy, no. <laughs> this podcast is not that long. So no, I started out um, teaching in 2009. I started student teaching in Germany um, and uh, was teaching history and English. Uh, did this two-year student teaching program there. And then uh, when I was done, my wife and I, she's American, we got married and we decided to move to the States. And then I started teaching um, at a German cultural center called the Goethe Institute in San Francisco. We lived in the Bay Area. And from there, after a year, we moved down to San Diego. I started subbing. I worked for a year at High Tech High. Um, I taught humanities there. And then um, after that year, I ended up at Einstein teaching German because that was what is available. I didn't want to teach German. That wasn't like on the top of my list, but it made sense because I had taught German in San Francisco and it kind of was, was like, well, I can do that, I guess. And then, yeah, and then I went back to, we went to Hawaii for a couple of years and then uh, I came back here to start teaching history. So I've taught like a million things essentially. And then during that time, what's your evolution been like in the classroom? Kind of like your view of education and, and how does that play out in your day-to-day -day with kids? So when I started teaching here in the States, I noticed that it's very different. Um, technology had was much further along here than it was in Germany. So when I got here and we had like an iPad card, it helped setting up the iPad cards and uh, worked with the Chromebooks. And I was like, holy, holy crap, this, this is so cool. Like kids can like actually do things with this technology. And then, I mean, I love technology. I've had an iPad when it came out and stuff like that. And so I was like, oh, so how about we use this in our classroom? And so I always moved, or I moved very quickly to having students create on the iPad. And um, at first it was like, oh, we use the Apple apps and stuff. And then I went to an EdTech teacher summit here in San Diego and my eyes were like open to, oh my God, there's so much more than just the Apple apps. And ever since then, I was like, okay, we're going to use this, we're going to do that. It's just crazy stuff that, that I thought was cool 
and that students really seemed to enjoy like because it wasn't like your typical language class it was more like well what can we do to create and how can we somehow still use the language but we're learning coding at the same time or we're creating something in 3d at the same time or like i was always trying to make it like to have like two angles the language angle obviously and then also like the technology angle what was it that like kept you kind of pushing because i remember the beginning in the class craft days to where you are now yeah i feel like it's like it's like you're you you're like light years ahead of where you started so you you were actually the one who showed me Classcraft, which is like a gamification portal um kind of off the shelf thing that you can you can uh subscribe to it has some free features and it's like a gamification platform where you can where students can create characters and then these characters go on adventures that's like their avatar and they get xp experience points in in the classroom game and stuff happens you can create like adventure paths for them so you if you have like a an assignment that you want students to do that has different steps so that could be an adventure path that's what i liked about classcraft is like this idea of like okay we're taking a game and applying it but it wasn't enough for me and so I started like developing my own classroom game. Um, I did some reading. I met online with uh, John Meehan, um, worked with him. I read the books by Michael, the book by Michael Matera, Explore Like a Pirate. And so it just broadened my whole world to, or just opened the world of gamification to me. You present on gamification, you mentor other teachers on gamification, you host a podcast where you talk about it. But for those people who haven't, done it or gotten into it or maybe have a perception of it maybe that's not quite accurate can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about like what gamification is and what it's not okay so the the biggest difference we all know like game-based learning because we all do it we use quizlet we use quizzes we use gimkit bluekit jeopardy anything like that those are game-based uh that's game-based learning so you're using a game to facilitate learning which is great i, I love game-based learning too but the difference is with gamification, in the, the pure definition of gamification is that you're using game mechanics and elements and apply them to a non-game setting. A, a couple of smart educators were like, why don't we just do that in our classroom? And so we, we borrow these elements, these mechanics, these game mechanics, like getting experience points and applying that to the classroom. So that anything that students do, they earn points. So they turn in an assignment. That gets you 100 points. They go and do something extra for the class. They get 50 points. Whatever it is, whatever your value is. That's one aspect, like a leaderboard, virtual money, uh, stuff like that. That just in reality just is not necessary, but you're putting it somewhere where it doesn't exist. And all of a sudden, students have this this weird shift in their in their view where it's like, well, school is school, but in Mr. Hoffman's class, I get to earn points and I get to be a Jedi and I can suspend my disbelief and I'm learning history but at the same time I'm 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 like traveling through the galaxy. And it's just amazing how that shift happens just because we're changing the language a little bit. Yeah, you seem to have like tapped into something that is already kind of in that zeitgeist culture thing where gaming and it, it appeals to I know I, it appeals to our students, regardless of how they feel about even the subject that's being taught. The fact that they're immersed into this environment where they're taking on this character role and they're part of this bigger narrative and you've so dynamically constructed this whole storyline and these experiences and their learning experiences like they're learning but they're enjoying it like in a different way 
But I wanted to ask you about something that I really admire that you do. And it's it's how you grade. And I remember the first time you said this. We were at a parent-teacher conference and we're all talking on Zoom <laughs> with these parents and we're all sharing our spiel. And you go, I don't grade kids. They grade themselves. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about your your conferencing with students? Yeah. The rubric you use, like that, that I I've really been paying close attention to lately. Yeah. So um when I when I was working in Hawaii, I noticed I was teaching English and grading papers in English is really not fun. Like that is like my least favorite thing. Some teachers are like, yes, grading, awesome, I can read stuff. For me, it's like, yes, I like to read stuff, but I, and it was the same in German class. I gave them feedback. Sometimes I would use oral feedback. I would um, like record stuff and for them and they would listen to it and then they would work on it. And so I noticed like when I'm giving them feedback and it's oral feedback, they are more inclined to actually work on the stuff that I was critiquing versus when I sat down and I wrote something. They would never read it or some would and most of them would not. And so I was like, this this sucks. And I encountered this <laughs> book called Hacking Assessment because it's such a waste of time, right? You, you, you spend so much time because you want to do the due diligence and for those few kids who actually do care, that benefits them. But I want this to benefit everybody. And so I read this book called Hacking Assessment um, by Star Sextine, Sextine, and she talks about how she put the the onus of grading into the student hands, essentially. And so she did standard standard based grading, and essentially said, you know what? Here's the thing: uh, I am not going to grade you anymore. You are going to get a rubric that we are going to dissect and explain and make sure that you understand. And then you sit down and you you give yourself a grade based on this rubric. And I was like, what? That is like, I can do that. And the cool thing about this book is that she she covers all the all the roadblocks that we as teachers have. And she explains like she gives examples on what we can do to convince parents to convince admin to convince the community con convince other teachers like why what we're doing is much, much better for a student than the previous system is. If you think about it, like when a student comes into school, they start at 100, um, they start the year at 100, and all they're doing is just lose points. Mm -hmm. And they're just trying to keep up, yeah. right? Right. And it kind of flips this on its head because not only with the gamification, I'm changing the, the name of the game, uh, literally, but I'm also with now with ungrading, I'm giving them the responsibility and the accountability to really look at their stuff and really be critical about how they're doing. And I taught like normal in my first year in Hawaii when I was teaching English by me grading everything and turning it and giving it to them. And I used peer grade and I did all that kind of stuff. But in the end, they I was always the one responsible for the grade. But then I started to do the ungrading move and I just started to conference with kids and started giving them feedback help with help of gamification because there's like a bunch of rubrics you can use to make it more fun. But all of a sudden, like kids that in the year before would have failed my class in English because they were English English learners, they were um, just not into it, they didn't care as much. All of a sudden, that flipped completely. I did this exact same content again. We had to write an essay, and all of a sudden, the essays were all like up there because we sat down, we talked about it, we went through this review process, gave them feedback. In the end, they could say, "Hey, I want this grade," and then. 
I still have the NAS say, I would say, yep, sounds good. Or if you want to get a, a, an A on this or whatever it was, a four, um, then here are the things you still need to do. And because I did that, all of a sudden the students are like, oh, that's all I need to do. Mm -hmm. And then they did it and turned it in. And all of a sudden they got a four. Mm -hmm. It's it's amazing how that the, the conferencing with students, how that shifted their attitude. Mm -hmm. And I got to know my students way better than I ever had. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I've noticed. And I and I watch you get so much more FaceTime with students and having conferences than I do. I find myself grading. And, you know, at our school, it's mastery based instruction. So students can retake assessments. But you're absolutely right. I give a grade. They, they get a score and some of them score lower. But in their minds, it's like, OK, I'm done with that. And even though they can retake it, such a small percentage actually do. But the information that I give them in the feedback is often not read, but you're sitting down and having a conversation and really listening. And there's, there's so much more of a connection that you have. I just think it's so rich. But the question I have now is how do you make the time for those, those conversations with those kids in your class? Yeah, it's definitely a learning curve. Like the, the first year I did it, it was horrible. Like it caused so much time that because kids came because when it was time to grading because i had not figured it out yet i had not streamlined it and i'm still learning i'm still trying to figure this out and do it even better but the idea is that you do something you check in with me really quick that doesn't have to be like a full-on conference it's a you they i walk around or i call them up and say hey i saw you working on this how did how are you doing there how many like let's say i use a rubric that gives them like crystals for different parts like they write the introduction they write a, a bibliography or whatever so i can c bring them up and say hey how is the bibliography looking and they're like oh yeah i'm missing like i only have like one or two sources and then we say okay so right now you would get two crystals out of three because you have something when you come back you get all the crystals and so that's a gamified aspect again, right? They're coming back mm -hmm. to get more crystals, <laughs> not because they want to do better necessarily, but because they're like, hey, I want to get those crystals because it gives me points in the game. They are very good about like grading themselves and kind of like they're really hard on themselves sometimes too. And I have students who are like, yeah, they are. Um, well, how can you make sure that people don't just give themselves an eight? And I'm like, because there's a system in place that that does not happen. Like there is a rubric and if they cannot back up, what they want, then it's not going to happen. They can write an eight all day long. I'm still the person entering it into the grade book. <laughs> and let me let me premise this for listeners who don't teach at IB schools, which is probably like most of the, most people. Yeah. So IB we teach zero through eight on a rubric system, and seven eight is kind of like the A kind of quote yeah. you know, quote unquote. I know people IB people are probably cringing when I say that, but you know <laughs> when you transfer it to like a high school, yeah, seven eight would be the highest score. You know, four five six. So when we, when we say eight, we're talking about the highest score. Yeah. And so it's it's really interesting because I can call them out on stuff and they're and they're, it's a one on one conversation. Right. And if if especially if they turn something in that is not great and they give themselves like a like, I don't know, like a C, let's say, or a four or whatever it is. Um, and they're like, and, and you're happy with that? And then they're standing there and they're like, like, no. <laughs> and all of a sudden there's a conversation where it's like, right. uh, and then I can be very intentional and be like, Hey man, I know you can do better. I, I would not, I'm, I'm not going to accept this. I'm going to push you to, to turn this in again. And most of them actually sit down and do more. It's a, it's a process. It takes a while. It's not pretty in the beginning, but the payout is so It's incredible. Just like the amount of time that I get to spend with students, like specifically talking to them about things that they're still need to work on, celebrating stuff they do. It's incredible. Like the relationships are just so different than what I had years ago. 
And you've also created a system where we 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 preach and, and schools always talk about this direct growth mindset and not having a fixed mindset. But I wonder how many opportunities or how systems are set up that are actually fixed where it's like one and done. Okay, you did this exam and then that's it. But there's no opportunity to grow yeah. until the next exam, which is going to be or, or, or whatever the assessment is, which is a whole different area of content or a different topic or whatever. But here you're actually able to facilitate this growth mindset and, and, and push back if a student says like, well, that's. I, j- I just got a four and, and you can actually pour into them and, and talk to them. And do you ever hear more about a student's story as to why they, they were where they're at as you're having these conferences? Oh, absolutely. Like for some kids who who are just like not getting the work done or whatever, there's always something. Right? It's not because they're not smart or because they're lazy. It's like sometimes it's literally they tell you, well, because I ask them, hey, can you work on this at home or can you come in during lunch after school or whatever? I'm, I'm always here. And then they 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 drop some bombs on you like hey uh my my parents like divorced my mom lives in mexico because we live in san diego so they some students live in mexico and come to school here in san diego and they get stuck at the border or uh, even though they have internet at home they have to share it's like kind of what we experienced in in during the pandemic where it's like there's like three kids at home and one computer stuff like that right and it's these stories where you're like first of all it's very humbling because they're going through stuff that I never had to go through. I mean, my childhood was not amazing, but compared to what they're going through, it's like, oh yeah, that exists. And it kind of like puts you in your place a little bit. It's also because of the system that I use, there is no late really in my class. Some of the students are like, I need to subtract points from my grade because I turned it in late. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The fact that you're doing it is quote-unquote punishment enough because you have to do it outside of class you have to do it at home you have to do it during lunch like that is that is not comfortable you're still doing it so why would i punish you by taking a grade away that doesn't make sense you get the work done that's all that matters i try to be that person that like is understanding it's still pushing them to do their best and reminding them and harping on them and with the spark that i threw threw in there i'm fanning that flame of of them becoming like a better student because I'm supporting them, you're supporting them. We're all like our seventh grade team is incredibly supportive. And then some people might push back and was like, that's not preparing them for the real world. This is the real world. There's a lot of life skills that they're gonna need, but like they're 12 right now or 11 or six, you know, whatever it is. Let's, uh, we, can, we can hold off on taxes and the, and the, the crushing weight of adult reality later on. Um, you got it done, well done. I do wanna talk about the, this, thing that is your baby lately, like this embryonic thing that you've been growing. And I've been able, been fortunate to be able to, to watch it since its inception, but you have this class that you created from scratch that's, that's essentially a STEM class. Two questions. Why did you create the class? And you've done some uncommon things. I'm going to leave it wide open just for you to talk about it because it's your baby. And I've, get, I've been fortunate to be able to watch it from the start. So can you talk about that? So, yeah. So I'm obsessed with Star Wars. Um, I think that's putting it mildly. I love Star Wars. I always have. Um, my classroom game is called Jedi Academy. And I've been playing around with this idea of creating an, a, a room that is more immersive. So I put like a, a, a space, like like a window to space on my wall. I have the Millennium Falcon in my room. I have like a bunch of resistance stuff or whatever. Anything Star Wars is you can find in my classroom. It's not like overloaded but I want to I was very intentional of the things that I put in there uh, because I want my students to come in and feel like they are playing the game and one of those things that I used was like smells I used sounds to try to immerse them more and then so one day I was like wouldn't it be cool 
to create a classroom that looks literally like a Star Wars set. Like you walked onto a set, onto a spaceship, onto a rebel base, onto whatever it is. And how can I how can I make that happen? And then we talked about it and you were like, yeah, how about you let the kids do it? And that's kind of how the how the course was born. And now I have students in my classroom who are in the process of designing a classroom based on Star Wars and they're going to build everything and I'm, and we're all learning at the same time. I've never done anything like this. I do like STEM, but I've never like actually made it a class. And so I contacted a bunch of people on LinkedIn because I was like, it would be cool to talk to an Imagineer and to get like my foot in the door at Disney and then have an Imagineer come in and tell us about what they did. I, I have this book called The Art of Galaxy's Edge, which is like the Star Wars land in Disneyland. And I I just looked at the list and was like, who could be a good person to contact here? And it said like one of them was Eric Baker and it said executive creative director. And I, I Googled him or I looked for him on LinkedIn and I found him. I was like, I'm just going to send him a message. I was going to tell him what I do in my in my class in history, gamification, all that, and there's their Jedi and blah, blah, blah. And he wrote back. Like, he was the only person that wrote back. I wrote a bunch of people. And he was like, yeah, I'd be super interested. I don't know what you want me to do, but I'm I'm down. And so it created this relationship between me and, and Eric Baker, who used to work for Imagine, Imagineering, who are like the people at Disney who create the, the rides and the park and all that. And... I talked to him and he gave me some feedback on the room and then he was like, oh, uh, so if you ever want me to talk to students, I'm down. I was like, oh, yes. And so we had him zoom in. He talked about his, his life and how he became like one of the people to look for when it comes to theme park design and to create immersive experiences. And I contacted other people on YouTube, like somebody who is like a, a, a Star Wars room builder. He's willing to, to chat with us about this uh, project. And then um, I discovered that there is this thing called Imagination Campus at Disneyland, which they offer workshops on uh, immersive storytelling. And I was like, oh, that's what I want. I want my students to tell, to tell a story with my room. And so I wrote up a proposal, took a long time, but they signed the, our admin signed it off. We kind of financed it and then uh, about two weeks ago, um, you came along, another teacher, and we took 30-something students to Disneyland, and they did this workshop where they learned all about like how the Imagineers design story elements and put them in the parks. And then we took all of the kids to Galaxy's Edge, and we took a bunch of photos. We went on the rides together. We had this this collective experience, and... It was life-changing for a lot of students because um, some of, I mean, we have, we're a Title I school. There's like, we have about 60%, right? Free introduced lunch. And a lot of them had never been to Disneyland. About, uh, about half of them had never been. Some of them went like when they were little. And so just watching their faces going to Disneyland, watching them walk into Galaxy's Edge, um, experiencing all these things, it was just my mind was just blown and I like literally I, I don't know if you noticed but I was just smiling literally you're loving it yeah then we come back and we have these amazing conversations about design and what they noticed and how they created this immersive experience in 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 their world and we talk about how we can bring this back to our classroom and parents are sending emails saying oh my god we're so happy that you did this for our, for our kids and you're the coolest teacher you t you touched on something that I want to ask you about so you stay connected to people that inspire you I feel like or you have a you have a pretty broad network of 
educators and professionals, like how much does that play into what what you do in the classroom and, and the ideas that you have as, as your network or your community of people? So the, the one network that helped me the, the most is like Twitter. Um, and I know people have opinions about Twitter for, for good reason. But when I started to, to gamify, I just started to follow specific hashtags for areas that interested me. And that was gamification, XPLab, which is like explore like a pirate. It's an acronym. And it it just opened up all these people, all these the people that I all these educators who are out there just like doing cool stuff and sharing it on Twitter. And I started connecting with them. And one of them is is on my podcast. We, we, we met through Twitter. We started sharing stuff. We started talking about the things that we do. We both happen to have a gamified classroom. And so we connected over this thing, Twitter. And now we're like friends and we're presenting together at, at, at Q and all that, those places. Teacher Twitter is incredibly supportive. And people want to show you the stuff that they work on, just like I do. Like when I have stuff that I worked out, I shared it on there. And it's so fun to hear back from teachers saying, hey, this looks awesome. It's just, mm. it makes you feel good. And it makes you feel like, oh, what I'm doing is not uh, a total waste of time. <laughs> Those thoughts do creep in, right? Like even though yeah. you're doing something awesome and, and you, you might think so, we become our own worst critics sometimes or we, we always see the things that we could improve and we overlook the things that we're doing well. Fabian, where can, where can people hear more about you, about gamification, about what you're doing in the classroom, about how you're innovating? I know you talk about this stuff with some, and you talk about it with some pretty legit people in the education industry. So can you tell some folks where they can hear more about it? So you can find me on Twitter at HoffmanEDU, one F two N's EDU. And uh, then also host a podcast called Rebel Teacher Alliance. There's three of us um, where we talk all things gamification, but we also uh, talk to, to teachers who don't gamify at all and we just we just invite people who are interesting who have stuff to share who do cool stuff you can find the podcast on on the internet at uh, rebelteacheralliance.com um, follow us there if you want to be a guest just send a message and we'll get you on fabian i'm gonna gush on you right now but when you came back to einstein i was so happy because i knew that you sharpened me you make me a better science teacher your your innovation your passion for kids your sense of humor you're outside the box thinking, all of that. And when you got on the seventh grade team and you were here, I just knew that it was going to be awesome and it has been. And so as a as a teaching colleague, as a friend, dude, you, you just rock, man. I'm super proud of you and um, thank you for making me better. Oh, now I'm starting to cry. It's like, don't. <laughs> <laughs> all true, dude. All true, my brother. Thank you. All true. And uh, thank you for letting me be part of the journey. And uh, I will definitely walking down the hall asking you questions as I try to implement some of these great ideas that you're doing with kids. Thanks so much for listening. And now we want to hear more about you. Do you know any inspiring educators? Nominate them as a future guest on Science Connections by emailing stem at amplify.com. That's S-T-E-M at amplify.com. Make sure to click subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and join our Facebook group, Science Connections, the community. Until next time.